Welcome to the Hanu Health Podcast, where our mission is to help you to breathe better and stress less. On this show, we discuss a variety of topics and provide practical suggestions for improving health and well-being. However, none of the education, tips, and tricks provided should be taken as medical advice. Your medical doctor is your best bet if you have medical questions. Also, on this podcast, we interview numerous guests from diverse backgrounds, interests, and may carry some unique ideas. Hanu Health as a company does not endorse all statements provided by guests or condone all suggestions or protocols discussed. We just like hearing about cool people doing rad and new things. So sit back, relax, breathe, and enjoy the show. Frank, what's going on, man? Dude, this one has been a long time coming because I've actually known you and you've and, and known about your products now for a couple of years, been using them like religiously for a couple of years. And like uh, the stars aligned, we finally are making a podcast. So, dude, so ha- so glad to have you here on the Hanu Health Show, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. we've been uh, trying to get this going for about a year, almost two, actually. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've been kind of like, you know, this, the Hanu Health kind of project has been one that's been unfolding for a long time now. And it's been like head down in product development, kind of podcasting had to be to the side. And then when we kickstarted this up, I reached back out to you immediately. I was like, all right, we're going again, like with the podcast, like I'm getting you on. Like, I, I we've got to talk all things ketones because this is just a hot topic area. People are super interested. So, you know, with that said, I kind already kind of laid it out on the table that we're going to be talking about ketones today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of who you are, like what got you interested into this field of ketones? Like, I feel like you don't just kind of like stumble into this. Maybe you did, uh, but tell us a little bit of the background. Kind of, actually. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I actually did, definitely did stumble into it. So it started with my wife's godfather, who is Richard Veach, Dr. Richard Veach. He passed away a couple of years ago. He is or was a, an NIH scientist for about 40 years. So he's been working, he worked under Hans Krebs, the Nobel laureate, the Krebs cycle guy. And he mm-hmm. wrote, he was the author of Krebs's longest paper. Oh. So he learned under Krebs and he was spending basically you know, 20, 40 years trying to find a way to mimic some of the benefits of fasting ketosis, you know, without fasting. And his comment was always, there's a McDonald's around every corner. So, you know, there's this concept of going into ketosis just isn't going to happen for most people. Mm-hmm. So let's find a solution. And he came up with this drink, the ketone ester, um, after you know many, many years of trying different things. And initially I was uh, intrigued by it. I went down the rabbit hole and I was like, wow, I hadn't even heard of ketosis. So yeah. ketogenic diet, I didn't even know that. My only experience was some heavyweight friend of mine who ate a pound of cheese before going clubbing that night. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm losing weight. And I, I just kind of shelved that into like craziness. And then like five, 10 years later, I'm like, oh, now I understand what he was talking right. about. So initially I helped try to help Dr. Veach um, raise money. He wasn't kind of, wasn't really into money. People thinking, you know, why can't someone just give me $20 million and I'll just make a tractor trailer of it. And people will just walk up to it with a spigot and, and drink straight out of there. Um, and then the pitch wasn't great. It was, hey, we think people will pay $60 a day for a, a drink that tastes like vomit. And you know, you know, that that pitch wasn't so great. And with all the CBD that was out there, you know, why not just go do something simple like CBD? So then I decided, hey, I had some prior successes in the dot-com boom, the last one a while ago. And I said, 
why don't I just put my money where my mouth is and yeah. go do this? I love it. And I got his blessing. And then it took a couple of years just in R&D to find out how to scale it because it used to be $30,000 per serving is what Dave Asprey actually spent for, for one serving of this stuff. Whoa. So it was you know trying to get it down to somewhat of an economical price. We thought it was going to be $30 to $60 uh, per day. But then the real world scenarios came out that people could take much, much less. Yeah, so people yeah. were sort of taking fractions of fractions because all the mice study and testing, they took it with food. So the mice, they they extracted the, the amount that the mice were eating and said, okay, well, humans will need this. But then they missed the variable of empty stomach and fasting. Right. So now people, the average person takes three to five dollars worth a day, hmm. which is, you know, more than a 10 cent niacin. But, you know, it does yeah. a lot more different things than that. Sure. But it's not the 30 to 50 dollars a day that people thought they had to mortgage their house you know, to experience. <laughs> right. Details, so. Yeah. That's crazy expensive. So was it a combination of like production costs back then? I'm assuming were a lot more expensive on top of you were thinking that, yeah, we needed to take a lot more than what we actually know now we need to take, or maybe a combination of all of the above. Well, initially the, the first push was having the right equipment. Cause if you're doing if you're paying a scientist, you know, a hundred thousand a year to stand in front of, you know, a, a two liter container, you know, it's just going to make the the price astronomical. So part of it was scaling it up and finding ways to be more efficient. It's a multi-step process. We'll talk about the ketone salts soon, but ketone mm -hmm. salts are kind of almost like a, a starting material on the way to ketone esters. So right. it's, it's many steps further and past that. And there's yields where you might only get a 50% yield mm -hmm. on one of the steps. And then that just doubles the price and yep. you know, making that more efficient. And then, you know, so we st we're actually still at the same price per gram as when we launched. Mm -hmm. But then now people came back to us and said, hey, you know, instead of taking that 30 gram bottle, we're only taking five grams of active or 2.5 grams of active. And some of them even had better performances taking less. Yeah. And you know, we can go into that as well, where one of the doctors of a Tour de France team, he, he said that the first thing he does when he gives it to a subject to test to show them that it works is, he gives them too much and then he shows them how it drops the blood sugar too much yeah. impairs performance yeah he says okay now we're done with that don't take more in the race now you trust me and then he does his own little mini trial and proves to the athlete that it works and then you know then they're a customer yeah you know it's it's funny because I feel like that's how it works in so many individuals, like especially like those in the health and wellness optimization biohacking community, which is kind of the circles that I tend to run in is that like for us, like there's sometimes like this notion that like, Oh, more is better. Like, you know, if, if the everyday individual is supposed to take like, you know, this much, like an inch, I'm going to take a mile. And I remember distinctively when you sent me kind of my first ever kind of like bottles of ketone ester, um, uh, I, I took like the entire bottle the first time and, I think I like sent you an email. I remember this was a couple years ago, I think like a year and a half or so ago. Uh, and you're like, dude, you took way too much. And I was like, yeah, like I could like feel it. Like, I'm not going to say I felt bad necessarily, but I felt like you, it's almost like when you know, like you're drinking alcohol and you like, you know, Oh, I went a little bit past kind of that edge of like where I'm like, I wanted to be. And I kind of went a little bit past it. 
It was like that. And I would assume too, and we'll, we'll dive, take a deep dive into this, is that I was using it that day. I took it for more like cognitive, like well-being and performance. Like I was just kind of like hitting some deep work. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, like I definitely have that sense of like heightened awareness and vigilance, uh, but maybe like hypervigilance. Like I'm kind of like a little bit like not jittery, but like something's a little bit too much. And then you were like, yeah, just dude, just dial it down. Like there's no need to like douse the whole bottle. Not to mention like it's going to be really freaking expensive expensive. Like if you try to make right, it that, yeah. I have it. So yeah, that's the, that's my disclaimer and note to all the biohackers out there who are just like, no, I'm just going to go get, you know, the bottle and drink the whole thing every single day. It's like, eh, it may not be the best thing for you. <laughs> yeah. And I, I tend to drink, need to drink more than most. And I'll be at, you know, 20 mLs, maybe 25 mLs. Um, but most people find benefit for cognitive at 10 to 15, mm-hmm. you know, for other benefits, they can even go all the way down to you know 2.5, which is like half of a capful. So right. the cap accidentally became the measuring tool. Yeah, because people yeah. were using so little. Um, so yeah, so they take you know tiny amounts, and you know what do they use it for? Everything from cognitive benefit to helping sustain or prolong a fast, you know, multi-day multi-day fasting or multi-hour fasting, extend your morning fast take it past lunch. Um, but also sports performance. That's where, you know, most of our marketing is done right. for sports performance. We've, we've sold to at least 80% of the tour de France teams. Yeah. And incredible. not one of them was willing to go on record that they used ketone aid, ketone ester. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean with the whole blood doping and everything that like all the cyclists have gone through over the years, I'm sure they're very reluctant to mention anything they put into their body. Like probably, probably to say like, you know, I, I, I ate a piece of arugula yesterday and they're going to have, you know, like all the sports organizations be like, well, you know, that increases vascularity and nitric oxide production. So therefore we're going to strip you of all your metal. So it's like, well, it's such a risky area. I feel like, well, there was a scandal with, uh, in the UK, they signed some contracts for the UK Olympics, uh, I think it was eight, eight years ago, where they were using ketone esters while it was still kind of in development stages, and they made them sign NDAs that even if you lose your medals, it can't be our responsibility. Um, and that, CYA. That came out. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. But, but it's not so much that they're now not willing to talk about it because of you know covering their ass. It's more because it works. Yeah. So I mean, they have, they have sports supplements that they're sponsored by the gels and stuff. And they talk about, you know, they take right. these sport gels. So it's not about blocking everything that they take. It's just blocking the stuff that makes a noticeable difference. It's and their competitive the, advantage. Right. One of the people that we gave it to initially was Greg Henderson. And it's on our, on our website unpaid. The first time he took it, he'd been in the tour de France six times. And he tells an epic story about how this Tour de France athlete who won the entire Tour de France dropped a bottle on the side of the road and was freaking out for five miles. Oh my God, I dropped the bottle. And he's thinking like, go get another Gatorade. Like what's the big deal? And then he finds out from his, from his cycling buddies that it was a $6,000 bottle. And he's like, Oh, now I understand why, you know, they're freaking out. And the first time he he took it, he actually had a a 10% increase in his sustained Watts for two to three hours. And it was at altitude. That's insane. Well, this is actually the first time I've ever actually mentioned the 10% watt increase because I wanted to manage people's expectations and people take it differently. Right. But then finally now, a couple of years later, I'm like, you know, I can go ahead. It was, it was a 10% increase. That's insanity. Yeah. He was more impressed that the next day it said that his H, his HRV monitor said that he had taken the day off. Wow. That is what, that is what freaked him out. He was like, that's incredible. These are not quote unquote marginal gains, gains, which is a, 
uh, a phrase used by one of these Tour de France teams yeah. is like, this is a, you know, colossal improvement. But Right. Well, it's the one thing that's interesting is like with any competitive or professional athlete that I've ever worked with, like if you're able to provide them with something that gives them a 1% competitive ad- yeah. advantage, dude, they're all over it. They will spend bukus of money, bukus of time as well to gain that 1%. So when you're talking about a 10% increase compared to your baseline on output and wattage, like for a cyclist, like that like that that's just like an astronomical just that people like don't understand the difference like that's astronomical that's incredible i, I didn't realize that yeah because we hadn't talked about it because what, what one guy also hit a 10 percent gain and he was uh the vegan cyclist you can ask him on instagram and i said before you talk about what you experienced let's go through what you did uh and it happened to be that he hit on the three best ways that the ketone ester works Number one, on uh, fasted rides. So if you normally do a fasted ride. Mm-hmm. Number two, if you're doing a hill workout. And number three, if it's altitude. And he happened to accidentally hit all three of those. He's like, yeah, it was a one-hour ride straight up a hill into altitude. I said, okay, you just happen to have you know 3% in, you know, in each bucket. If you go to your audience and tell them about this and they are on a flat track, but they normally eat a, a sandwich beforehand, and you know they're not going to have the same – gains so you have to kind of manage people's expectations it's yeah. it's really tough to figure out the protocol of how to take it because everyone right. runs through their glycogen reserves people sometimes take 10 years to figure out the size of the banana that they want on their marathon race exactly and then they think they can just add ketone esters like it's caffeine and just it's not yeah there's this fine balance trying to figure out that we we think it might even be triggering endogenous production because mm-hmm. the amount that people are taking is so low that mathematically the calories would be gone in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. So what's making them not hungry? What's making them you know still feel like they have extra energy in there? You know, so it possibly is you know triggering endogenous production. But if you throw in that random Snickers bar or you have that meal an hour before with pancakes and syrup, and then you're like, oh, it didn't work for me. You know, you might not have triggered that right state. And we're trying right. to still figure it out. And I tell people. Do not take it on game day. When this works, it really works. Yep. But when it doesn't work, we've had athletes drop out of the race because their blood sugar dropped to 60. Wow. And they felt like their legs were just, you know, wobbling. And yeah. that person lost 10 grand. And I said, you know, take it 10, 20 times and practice first before you do it on game day. Yeah. No, it's it, it's it's good advice. You know, it, it's it's everything's within context, right? I mean, it's not like you can just, there's like this one size fits all approach for really anything in life, but especially for, you know, taking these exogenous ketones. You know, I think it would be, you know, a great service to the audience, Frank, for us just to really, and really for you, to unpack kind of like, you know, I think a lot of people understand and have at least heard of like a ketogenic diet, like that yeah, term is... Back. Yeah, that term has been thrown around so often, right? Ketogenic diets, um, you know, ketosis. Um, a lot of people kind of have their own kind of like preconceived notions of what a ketogenic diet is, like what it does to the body for better or for worse. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, like we kind of had like this group like in around like, maybe like the 2015, 2016 like years where like it was like really starting to boom and like great science and research was coming about um, out about it. And then all of a sudden it was like these big corporations started taking over kind of the name of keto and it became really commercialized and then kind of just went a little bit down the drain for for on on that end so maybe we should kind of even just take a step back and clarify like when we're talking about this idea of ketones like what are we even referring to right so super high level a ketogenic diet just you know 30 seconds is a super high fat low protein very low carb carbohydrates 
you're basically starving your body of carbohydrates. So it makes your body burn your own fat reserves. And when you burn fat, it makes something called D-beta-hydroxybutyrate, otherwise known as ketones. So your body is burning your own fat to make ketones when you're on the ketogenic diet. So a lot of people use it for weight loss, but they also use it for mental performance. And it's a lot trickier for sports performance being in a ketogenic diet. Some people are able to figure it out, but it's really tough because there's, there's still this feeling that people need, you know, carbs are king. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still they need carbs. I'm trying to say, well, if carbs are kings, the, then the ketones are the emperor. But <laughs> right. um, this, what, the product that we have is what's called an exogenous ketone. So instead of endogenous, where the body makes it inside the body, exogenous ketones is when you drink ketones. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a very big misunderstanding with you know getting into ketosis, and we never advertise this, but all of our competitors do, that there's two ways to define in ketosis. Normally, when you do a ketogenic diet, your body burns fat, and you make ketones, and you can actually test your blood, not your urine strips, don't use those, and the breath meters are okay, but it won't work for exogenous ketones. But when you test your blood, it shows that there's ketones floating in your blood. Um, so that some people define ketosis as your body burning fat, and some define it as ketones floating around in your blood. Well, the confusing, confusing part is when you drink exogenous ketones, so it's made out of Ours is made out of D-beta-hydroxybutyrate and 1,3-butanediol, and there's other ketones that we can go into in a second. But when you drink it, it actually skips and bypasses that fat-burning stage and puts ketones into your blood. But many companies say, oh, you're now in ketosis because it's just a shorter, you know, five-word Google ad, you know, clickbait. Yeah, uh, clickbait is exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah, people will buy it if they're like, oh, I'm trying to get into ketosis. Let me just, you know, take this shot or whatever. So the advertising company is, is saying get into ketosis and their, you know, their asterisk is ketones in your blood, but the consumer hears burning fat. Yeah. So they literally think that they're drinking this drink and it's burning fat for them. It's like, no, it's, it's stopping that. And right. if you drink huge amounts of it, it, it could even, yeah, it could stop your body from burning fat because if you're sitting on the couch and you've been fasted for a day and you're burning fat and suddenly you drink some calories that, you know, raise your ketones even more. What incentive is there for your body to make more ketones? Like, yeah. None. Yeah. So it's basically so, saying like the body kind of interprets it as like, oh, we're already like, we have plenty of this around. Why do I need to continue right. the production here? Right. So, uh, so exogenous ketones is this umbrella of drinking ketones. The first product that came out was a ketone salt and racemic at that. And the ketone salt means that they took the D-beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is normally an acid, and they added a base, a salt. Mm-hmm. potassium, sodium, magnesium, calcium. Some of them say sodium-free, but all they do is load up the other three salts. It's all right. still you know, heavy, heavy salt. And they were also what's called racemic, which means that only one half of it was bioavailable, only 50% of it the body recognizes. So the other part is just excreted out, but it still has P&L. the salt because the acid is still attached. You know, There's still an acid form of the good side, the D side, or the, you know, ineffective side, the L side. So the salt loads of some of these products were just massive. When I talk about massive, if you were to take, you know, the equivalent amount of salt compared to, you know, the amount of ketone ester that you took, the massive amount, mm-hmm. it'd be similar to a restaurant shaker of salt. Oh. Like just grams and, you know, 20, 30 grams. It just, it's just not possible. Well, that's appealing. So ketone salts. Yeah. You have to take a very little amount. And the feedback that we got were, 
was that it, it helped people initially take the ketone salts when they're entering into a ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. And they think that it's a ketone, but there's two tricks. One trick is most of the companies will load it up with caffeine. So you mm-hmm. think that you're feeling great during your right. keto flu. Because backing up, when you enter into a ketogenic diet, your body runs out of glucose and your body also excretes a whole bunch of water because every molecule of glucose is held onto a molecule of water. You lose your glucose, water rushes out of you. People love the diet because they lose five pounds in four days, but right. it's water. It doesn't really count, and then they get demotivated after it flattens out. But with that water, you lose massive amounts of salt, so mm-hmm. much salt depletion that my wife, the first time you know, she was my guinea pig, she was in a fetal position in bed crying, yeah. headache, heart racing, and like she had what's called the keto flu. And I called up some experts and they said to give her like 10 to 15 salt pills. Yeah. Within 15 minutes, she was fine. Yeah. Uh, I even know another 90-year-old lady whose doctor told her to do the ketogenic diet but didn't give her enough information. She was rushed to the hospital a couple of days later. And I said, I can tell you what the problem was. She said, how can you tell me? I was in the hospital for two or three hours with a couple of doctors that were from Harvard and they couldn't figure it out. And I said, it was salt depletion. You didn't tell them that you were doing the ketogenic diet yeah. or they didn't know ketogenic diet. Dude, the so, keto flu is so real, though. I mean, I remember the first time it hit me. Well, it's especially too like if you're going from a like just straight up standard American diet, like that is just chock full of you know processed foods, high linoleic acid, and then sugar, obviously, like a lot of sugar. And then you go from a standard American diet to like a true ketogenic diet that's really low in carb, high in fat, and moderation, you know, moderate in protein. Like it will rock your socks off. Luckily for me, I kind of had like the paleo transition. Like I was paleo and then went to ketogenic diet. And then for me, like it still hit me. So, and, but I watched my wife who was like standard American, like go into ketosis. And for her, it's been one of the best things in the world because she's had, she has a lot of glycemic variability and she's going to listen to this and kill me for talking about it. But people know about it because I've talked about it before on the podcast. But, but for her, like the going from like the standard American diet to the ketogenic diet was one of the best things in the world she could have done, but man, it rocked her world. And so we actually supplemented with some like, um, some different mineralization. One is like Kinton, which is like a, uh, a sea plankton bloom, like mineral water. And like for her, it was really helpful, but it, it can, it can get you. So people who are listening to this podcast, if you're like doing a standard American diet and you decide to go like ketogenic or like low carb, even low carb, uh, but truly ketogenic, like, yeah, you might, you might get your socks knocked off. So just be aware. <laughs> but uh, my theory is that 80% of the problem is salt depletion. Yeah. So people say, Oh, but I added more salt to my egg. I said, no, no. Did you unscrew the top and add salt? So right. these ketone salt products, if you were to compare them to salt pills, they'd be the equivalent of 15 to 20 salt pills. Whoa. But if someone told you to take 20 salt pills, you would think that you were you know, that they were trying to overdose you. Yeah. So these salt packets, the benefit that people are getting is actually just the salt, not the ketones that are in it. And then after two weeks, it stops working. Why does it stop working? Because after two weeks, your body uh, is able to equilibrize and, and get their, their salt balance set. So then now you're getting excess salt and then they can't put their ring fingers on because they're, they're bloated from the excess salt right. salts on the shelf. And then they wait for the next time that they get out of ketosis and want to come back in. So, you know, n- none of that is, uh, you can save a lot of money just by having salt. So exogenous ketones, one classification is called ketone salts. Most of them are racemic when in doubt, um, it would say on the bottle if it's just the D form or just the R form, those are the good form. And if it doesn't say, then it is racemic because it costs a lot more to be not racemic and you're going to advertise about that. 
Yeah, and, um, and the ones that you guys offer, I know that like you have the bottle that's like the split ester and the salts, right? Yeah. And I'm assuming you're using the non-racemic version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're using uh, non-racemic, the, the D-form. So Dr. Veach, when he looked at the ketone salts 15, 20 years ago, he said, you know, my cardiologist would kill me because the salt load is so huge. And he just basically threw that concept into the trash mm-hmm. and said, he kept on looking. What he found was D-beta hydroxybutyrate connected to a molecule called R13-butanediol, which is technically like an alcohol, mm-hmm. but you combine those two and you don't have to have any salt load whatsoever, allowing you to take 5, 10, 20 times more without the, the detriment Interesting. Okay. And I don't throw salt. I wake up and I I eat some pink Himalayan salt pills in the morning, but the, you know, four grams, eight grams of salt just is, it, it stops the ketones from working. Um, and again, a lot of people put caffeine in them and the ketones do multiply the caffeine. So the caffeine might look like a low amount. So you think that you're feeling the ketones, but it's probably just the caffeine being multiplied. Um, Oh, so what's the, what's the mechanism of action that's causing that? How does it how does it multiply it? I, I think it's just helping take the caffeine across the blood brain barrier, okay. but not in a good way. So it's not yeah. like you're drinking a cup of coffee and you get the equivalent of two for free. It's more like you drink one cup and you get the the downsides of two. You get you're just delivering more caffeine and you get that spike. But then with a stimulant, ketones are not a stimulant. That's a misunderstanding. Um, the caffeine is a drug. I'm um, anti caffeine. It's a mm-hmm. stimulant. And when it goes up, must come down. So then you have to take it again and again. Right. Ketones aren't a stimulant. Maybe if you take a huge amount like you took, maybe it gets in the stimulant category. But for the most part, it's more about bringing your brain back up to 100%. Yeah. And some people actually don't feel it as much as others. The more that their brain is able to use and is already fueled at 100%, whether it's they're already keto or they're, they're keto and, and they're able to use glucose as well. If your brain is functioning at 99%, it's not going to be as noticeable, mm-hmm. but most people over the age of 30, whether you're keto or not, have some level of glucose metabolism issues where the glucose can't function or can't reach the brain and, and fully uh, fuel the brain. And it's mm-hmm. called the brain energy gap. Mm-hmm. Dr. Kunay talks about this. And the bigger that gap, the more, if you take ketone esters, the more it fills that gap, takes you to 100. And you know, for some people, it's like parting of the clouds. But for other people, if they don't have an issue, you know, it doesn't do uh, as much. But right. anyhow, so that's the umbrella of exogenous ketones also includes MCT oil, specifically the C8, which is a super strong, also called the disaster pants diet. If you drink just a little bit too much of it. Oh, yeah. Number two on YouTube is my wife sitting on the toilet. It's closed, but she's just like her stomach is just feeling like daggers <laughs> in her I don't know if she knows that's that that's even up there, but yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, is she privy to this? <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, I, I don't know. But <laughs> she will be now. She's been taking it for weeks or months. Oh, she might not watch this. Right. She, uh, <laughs> taking it for she was taking it for weeks or months, so she was you know adapted, but just a tiny squirt, a little bit above the threshold, and ow, the C8 goes through the liver, and fifteen percent of it makes. Uh, ketones beta hydroxybutyrate mm-hmm. so it's still exogenous and that is where it gets really confusing where people think that they're in ketosis so i drank a, a buttered coffee and you know it put me in ketosis not really mm-hmm. it, it put you through the exogenous ketosis because you drank that c8 and it put it into your blood um it, it can give you endogenous ketosis if it uh if it helps you skip eating carbs for the for another four to six hours then sure 
then it might right. trigger some endogenous ketosis. But you know, when you time your blood testing is important to know whether your body's making it or whether you drank it from the product. The product peaks at 40 minutes. If you were to test, the peak is at 40 minutes. And people, I mean, it's it's been mentioned on Joe Rogan's podcast by some of his guests talking about ketone ester, and they say, oh, but the downside is that it peaks at 40 minutes or an hour, and it goes down real quickly. But what they don't understand is ketones don't do anything in your blood. They don't make your blood more thin, more red, or anything. It's when it leaves your blood that it goes to the brain, goes to the muscle, goes to the cell, that it starts to work. So even mm-hmm. though the blood numbers might peak at 40 minutes, you know, it still has benefit for multiple hours after it's out of your system. It's, so, it's one of the main problems of people trying to objectively measure something with not having it in context, right? Because it's like, it would be like me t- testing, because again, my expertise is in the human nervous system, autonomic responses and heart rate variability. If I test your heart rate variability right now with an EKG, and then I test it five minutes from now, it's going to be different on metrics in some way. Does that mean that your complete physiology has changed and that you're you know in some different type of state? Not necessarily. It just means that... D- there's the body is dynamic. And again, like you're saying here too, it, it would be very similar, like blood pressure, like blood pressure is going to change periodically. And then also too, like the state of the organism or the state of the system is not dependent on kind of like that measurement, um, us be like being able to kind of then, uh, broaden kind of our statement of saying like, okay, well now somebody's blood pressure is let's say 140 over 50. That means that therefore we can give an interpretation of what's going on within their complete cardiovascular system. It doesn't work that way. Whereas what you're saying is, is that, there are things that are working kind of behind the scenes that are not direct measurement of kind of where your blood ketone ester level or sorry, blood ketone level is at that given moment. So yeah, it's, it's a great statement to make because I don't want people to think that like, it's just like kind of this, you get this spike and it goes down, but no, like you're, you're seeing it being and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Frank is that if the number is going down, it doesn't mean that you're, it, it may mean that you are actually like utilizing those, those ketones. Yeah. And it's not just that like it's hanging out in the blood, because again, if you're measuring it, it's just hanging out in the blood, then what good is it doing? It's the actually utilization of it. That's kind of the most important factor. Yeah. I've had some people that say, Hey, my doctor has been telling me to be in ketosis for multiple years, uh, but I'm eating the same thing, but my blood ketone numbers are lower and lower. So now I have to, I have to take exogenous ketones. And I said, no, no. Over time, you increase what's called the MCT, not MCT oil, but uh, it's these transporters that transport the ketones out of your blood into your system. So the longer you're in ketosis, the lower your numbers because your body's utilizing it faster. You're making the same amount of ketones, but the numbers appear lower. And then these people panic. And I try to explain to them that, you know, this doctor might not know this nuance that you're, you're doing great. You know, how do you feel? How's your brain? Um, you can add ketones on top of that, but I don't want you doing chasing these numbers artificially because you think you're not doing it, you know, well enough endogenously. Hey, Jay here. Hate to interrupt this show, but I have to tell you about our amazing sponsor for today's episode. Yeah. It's Hanu Health. That's H-A-N-U Health, my company. And I've got good news and I've got bad news. So the bad news is, is that I'm going to have to be quite cryptic for a while as to what we're building, but what I can say is that it is in the space of health technology, and it's going to be revolutionary. Just think about this show. You have myself, who is an expert in heart rate variability, and Patrick, who is an expert in breath work, and he is one of our primary advisors. Hmm... 
And what's the good news? Well, even though you have no idea about what the company is offering as a product, we are offering an exclusive VIP waiting list so that you can be the first to know about it. Not only will you reserve your spot in line, you will also gain access to our informative newsletter. We will update you on where we are as a company and provide special incentives and promotions. All you need to do is go to hanuhealth.com slash waitlist. That is hanuhealth.com slash waitlist. I promise you will not want to miss out on what is to come. We are building the biohacker's dream, but it will be useful for every human being on this planet. I'm, I'm not even speaking in hyperbole. I'm serious. Every human could benefit from what we are making. So again, head on over to hanuhealth.com slash waitlist to get your spot now, and I will just, you know, leave you with bated breath. So we have kind of a good, you know, lay of the land of what kind of like the umbrella of it kind of, as you mentioned, of exogenous ketones. You know, we've really kind of focused on um, kind of, you know, briefly at least uh, on the different types of ketones um, that, that you've utilized and kind of what your background is, is is in. Let's talk a little bit about kind of like utilization. Um, so kind of like what do we actually do with these? The first question I would have that I think is more of a clarifying question for the audience, and then we can kind of talk about these different areas that I wanted to hit on, is that uh, like if somebody is not, let's say, kind of living a low-carb lifestyle, living a ketogenic lifestyle, like, is this something that uh, you should stay away from? Or is this something that you that could actually still provide people benefit? Or are there nuances and dangers, caveats? Like, I'll let you open that up, because that's a question that I've heard a lot. It's like, can I use yep. exogenous ketones even if I'm not, like, a low-carb guy or gal? And the funny thing is, the opposite objection is also on the list, which is, I'm already keto, so why do I need exogenous ketones? Exactly. So both yeah. ways. So I can answer both of them. So yeah. Dr. Beach invented this for non-keto people. Mm-hmm. He thought that it would never never change their diet. So just drink ketones to get some in their system. So it absolutely can be done, you know, with people that are regular carb eaters. Um, now they might need a little bit more. They might need to really separate uh, by a couple of hours on both sides. You don't want to be taking orange juice uh, at the same time as taking ketone ester because you get the, get the blood glucose spike. Now, maybe yeah. for sport, but for brain, it's just not going to work as well. So as long as you have an empty stomach, even though you're not keto, people will notice the benefits. And I've sold, I told some doctors that, hey, someone can come in that you're trying to tell them to get on a ketogenic diet, have them take 10 or 15 mLs of the KE4, the stronger stuff. So mm-hmm. KE4 is our stronger stuff. Let's see if I have one around here. And it's 50% ester, 50% water, tastes you know, really rough, like a shot of ginger, a shot of tequila. It's my favorite, though. I'll just have to clarify. Like, it is my favorite. I love, like, my combination, like, especially, like, uh, midday, like, especially if I'm fasting, but I just want, like, that really good, like, cognitive boost is, like, you know, just, like, a small shot of ester, with, and I just chase it with some Topo Chico, and, like, that, I'm golden for the afternoon. I love yeah, it. Yeah, so. carbonated water chasing it makes a big difference. Oh, yeah. Direct- oh, yeah. But I, I told these, these uh, doctors that they can – have their patient just one time drink the drink and kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel and maybe never even take the drink again and just go back and it gives them the 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 foresight of what a ketogenic diet might feel like without doing all the ketogenic flu and all that stuff mm-hmm. and then for some people they'll just do the endogenous some people will do both um and it's a function of cost and and lifestyle but the non-keto people can definitely use it people are using it before bed to go to sleep and just it's, we don't know why it works, but 50% of our Amazon reviews talk about 
having deeper sleep and we have a yeah people submit their aura ring saying hey here's my deep sleep all week and then here's the one night i took ketone asher spikes 30 40 minutes and then comes back down um those aren't keto people and then the flip side people say oh well i'm, I'm already keto why do i need why do i need ketones and i'm like a glucose-based athlete or even a glucose-based studier is going to drink sugar all day. Why aren't they, you know, a glucose-based athlete doesn't say, oh, I'm not going to take glucose. I already have enough glucose in my system. Right. No, it's just another compatible fuel source with your diet. So if you're already keto and your ketones are 0.5, you, you drink 10 mLs of this stuff, like five bucks worth, and you pop to 1.5, and you're in a slightly different mental state. Now, if, you're, if your baseline, I mean, some people say, hey, it didn't work for me, and I trying to comb through it, find out that their baseline was 2.5, 3.0, and then they took the ester and they jumped to 4.5. I'm like, no, no, it's not going to do anything different. Your system is already flooded with ketones. Exactly. It's just not going to do anything for that person. Now, right. I could probably find some strategic ways where they can use it while cycling because they're endogenous ketosis. You know, ketones might get burned up, and if they're not replenishing it fast enough, then they can take exogenous. But yeah, it's for both groups whether you are keto or, or not keto. And like for fasting, even if you ate a cake every night, but you wanted to fast in the morning, uh, you could take the ketones to help your fast, help skip breakfast or help skip breakfast and skip lunch and then continue eating that cake at night. Um, it's, not what we, it's not what we suggest, but at least you're getting, you know, instead of eating cake three times a day, you're eating cake one time a day and you know, people will lose weight. But we don't advertise the drink. Let me be clear. We don't advertise the drink for weight loss. Uh-huh, and I've yeah. said and my wife. Because I thought you were advocating for everybody. Eat your cake and then have your ketone ester. And no, people are like, I love this dude. That's what people think. They yeah, think that they can yeah. eat the cake and then they drink the drink. And then they're like, I'm in ketosis because I see the blood ketones. And they literally think that they're burning fat after eating that cake. That's why I just I yeah. stay away from you know weight loss because – uh, my wife has said it, it hasn't worked for my wife to lose weight. So, you know, why should I expect it to work for my customers? Yeah, um, yeah. Mainly because people use it to overcome cheats. So it makes them cheat. More. They think that they're overcoming the cheat. They think they're getting back into ketosis. Yep. No, when you have the ketogenic diet, you have a battery of glycogen, a battery of glucose. When that goes down and you run out of glycogen, run out of glucose, then the body switches. When you right. eat that cake, it fills up again. So drinking ketones doesn't reduce that battery. It doesn't make that, you know, glycogen stores go down. Um, so it doesn't help you get back into ketosis. What you need to do is get on a, a cycling bike for two minutes, full on speed, and you can burn off that glycogen and just uh, do some wind sprints, burn off the glycogen or do a 24-hour fast. That will deplete your glycogen stores and get you back into it faster as opposed to some people wanting to take one week and slowly, two weeks, slowly get into ketosis for some, obviously talk to your doctor. It can be better just to rip off the band-aid, do a 24-hour fast, and just deplete that glycogen reserve and get into ketosis. Do you feel like um, people? Uh, do you feel like when people utilize kind of that more faster strategy, that the keto flu is maybe not as intense, or maybe it is as intense as just over faster than if people try to kind of like titrate I slowly? I think it's over faster. And if they got to the point that they understand how to do get into keto quickly, then they've read the chapter on the salt. Mm-hmm. So you have one bone broth. I mean, I'm vegan, so I don't do use bone broth. But you can have bouillon cubes, mm-hmm. and I'm you know vegan and keto bouillon cubes, and just you just won't have that keto flu problem. Right now, the ester can help. 
I say that 80% of the keto flu is the lack of salt. 20% of it is that your, your brain has is depleted of glucose and you haven't made enough ketones yet. So there is a, a brain fog because you just have no fuel. So the ketone esters can help uh, for that aspect of kind of giving your brain some jumpstart of uh, ketones. Sure, sure. No, that makes sense. That's good clarifications. You know, one of the things that I have used it predominantly for, you know, you've kind of mentioned things like there's three key areas where I've used exogenous ketone esters that, 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 that you've sent me. Sports performance, number two would be for brain performance, cognitive performance, and number three would be sleep. And you kind of mentioned all of those. The one that I really want to unpack, because a lot of my listeners really come here because they're like looking to say, like, how can I increase like overall mental cognitive performance, like help to kind of reduce like, you know, the the uh, experience of stress on the body throughout the day and on the brain throughout the day. And again, like I'll kind of mention my use and then maybe we can talk a little bit about mechanism of action, maybe potential protocols, kind of like what you recommend on this end. But like for me, and I've already kind of talked about it, it's if I am like really needing like kind of like that really good pick me up cognitive boost. And just so everybody knows too, and I think a lot of the listeners already know this, is that my diet is pretty, for the most part, restrictive in the sense that like I generally am fasting um, until about lunch each day. Um, so for me now, it's 12 o'clock. I know I'll eat whenever we're done with this podcast. I haven't eaten since about 5, 30, 6 o'clock last night. So I'm fasted until now. Um, I'll eat a meal that is pretty low in carbohydrate uh, for lunchtime. Um, and so I'll keep it you know, generally around like maybe 30 to 40 carbs. And then in the evening is when I'll kind of do more of a heavier carb meal. But for me, a heavier carb meal is still still fairly low. Um, so I'm not necessarily in ketosis all the time, but for the most part, like I kind of ebb and flow out of ketosis and I'm kind of like almost on that line at all times. If not in it, I'm just barely out of it. So that's kind of my daily routine. Now, after lunchtime, um, you know, I generally don't have kind of like this plummet of like cognitive performance that a lot of people have if they just like overly eat and like, you know, starchy carbs or sugars, which a lot of people do at lunchtime. But sometimes around like three o'clock, like I'll feel a little bit of a lag and I'm like, you know what? I could use a little bit of a pick me up where I'll just take like a little, like, you know, tiny shot of, of, of the uh, KE four, which I, I don't remember the measurements, but I want to say it's like the, what you guys recommend on the bottle. Is it five milliliters or maybe 10 milliliters? One or two capsules would yep. be what you would be. Yeah. That's what I do. And then again, yeah, I just chase it with a little bit of uh a little bit of like Topo Chico or sparkling water. And for me, like it is, it is without, um, it, like every single time it is, is always effective in helping just to give me kind of that little boost and edge that I need to kind of just crank out another, you know, two, three, maybe even four hours of like deep work in the afternoon, which prior to kind of like starting that routine, I didn't have as easily, or I, you know, back in the day, it would be like, you know, that two o'clock, three o'clock cup of coffee, which was awful because of how it would disrupt my sleep. It was so bad, but I don't get that disruption of sleep. Obviously with ketone esters, I really get better sleep. And then that's a, that it's indicative of objective measurement. Like you mentioned earlier, I'll look at my aura ring scores and the days that I do take ketone esters, which is not every day. I would say it's probably like two to three days a week is when, is when I, when I take it. It, it almost inevitably see that correlation. So what's going on there? Like, why am I experiencing that kind of like good cognitive boost and brain functioning, able to kind of like dive into deep work at three o'clock in the afternoon, which is like the dreaded last two hours of most people's work. What's going on there? Explain a little bit. Yeah. I think a few things are happening. So my prediction number one is that you drink coffee in the morning. I do pretty early and I only do one to two cups. And that's again, like 5am, 6am generally I'm an early morning riser. So I think part of that 3 p.m. crash is still that meal. 
So even if you eat a ketogenic yeah. diet, you're still going to get a blood glucose increase and an insulin spike. And it's going to, you know, now it's not making you crash as fast as other people that eat at 12. You know, they finish at one and then two o'clock they're, they're taking a siesta, yeah. like napping. Oh yeah. So there's a little bit slower, but I think it's partly that. I think it's partly the caffeine coming down, even from the 7 a.m. What goes up has to come down. Yeah. So when is it going to come down? It's not going to come down at, at 12 because you just ate. So you got a little bit of a pop. So it's coming down at three. And then there's the sundowning effect, which happens to some elderly people where the brain just stops being able to use the glucose. It's just, yeah. I, I don't understand it. I'm not a doctor, not a scientist, but it's, it's the sundowning effect where this brain energy gap, the brain just isn't able to use glucose and the ketones help that. So a quick story, a CEO who you know I was good friends with, he said, oh, I don't need ketones. I'm always mentally sharp. I'm great. And then I find out that he doesn't, I try to schedule an appointment with him at 2 or 3 p.m. He said, oh, no, I only do my appointments in the morning. I'm like, uh -huh. why? Oh, that's the sharpest. Okay, talk me through that. Well, at 12 o'clock, you know, I don't eat breakfast, so I'm sharp all morning. I have coffee, sharp all morning. I eat lunch, and then just I never schedule appointments in the afternoon because I'm just just mentally not there. I'm like, you didn't tell me that. He's mm. like, why? Do you think he do help with that? I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so what we did was we took the KE1, which is our other drink that tastes a lot better, six times more water. And it's a mix of ketone ester, ketone salt, and ketone free acid, only the D form. So all in all, it has 90% less total salt load than the racemic salts. So people sometimes equate ketone salts as being bad. It's not necessarily they're bad, it's just the salt load's huge. But if you mix it with the ketone ester, it, it tastes good. So he took just like a dollar or $2 worth of, the, of this ketone mix um, at 12 o'clock. He skipped lunch. And then he took a little bit more at... 2 or 3 p.m. And before you know it, he just didn't eat lunch, didn't have that crash, and then suddenly doubled his productivity of the day. Incredible. He's now able to his meetings. So he didn't get the he didn't get the spike, he didn't get the crash, and then before you know it, it's dinner time and he didn't find himself eating an, an absurd amount, you know, to make up for lunch and breakfast. And you know, he lost weight. We don't, you know, recommend it for losing weight, but he thinks it's a weight loss thing because he's like, <laughs> yeah, now I'm not eating lunch. Then yeah, not yeah. eating lunch lose weight not the ketones but the not eating lunch right so yeah. people take the drink and then they literally eat lunch right afterward and i said were you hungry no well how did you expect it to help you lose <laughs> purely weight? habitual right um, yeah that's super interesting so, you know i've met yeah, so many people in, in the corporate world that do that like they won't schedule meetings in the afternoon and i would say that you know prior to me kind of like changing a lot of my my lifestyle i would say you know especially when i was when i was a student and then when i was a resident and working like insane hours and then just like stress to the max um yeah like afternoons would kill me after i would eat uh, and then i kind of made the switch you know to more of a lower carb lifestyle you know, mentioned that I was paleo first and then kind of went more ketogenic, low carb. Uh, and then I just found that my ability, especially when I combine that with fasting and then added on, you know, additional exogenous ketone esters, like the ability to kind of rock out the last like half of the day, like significantly enhanced. And I wasn't afraid to have meetings or schedule podcasts because I used yep. to never schedule podcasts in the afternoon because I would be like, yep. no, I'm there dead. And so now I can do that. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, you know, time is money. So I'm able to kind of produce more, which is a good thing. 
So yeah, that's super interesting. So like if you had somebody, let's say that was like, I really do have just like that absolute insane, like brain fog in the afternoon, like postprandial lunchtime. It's just like, boom, two o'clock, no good to go. Like what's kind of the suggestions from a protocol? We kind of talked about a little bit about the caffeine intake, but what's like, what's some suggestions on like how they might be able to supplement with some exogenous ketones or kind of factor in some contextual lifestyle changes in order to kind of have that boosting benefit? Well, you could try to lower the the glucose spike in your lunchtime by making it a little bit lower carb or adding fat to it. So adding, I like not MCT oil, but just regular liquid coconut oil or mm-hmm. a tablespoon of olive oil. And people say, oh, well, I cook with it. No, no, don't count the stuff that you cook with because that right. properties change. After you're done with the meal, after you're done making the meal, add the oil. So you're just changing the ratio of the meal, the percentage of fat and and carbs and protein. But um, yeah, they they could. Some people will take between five and fifteen mLs. More is not necessarily better. Some people will take it every couple hours. We know some stockbrokers that will have a little measuring tube and just sip on it every couple of hours, and they'd rather have that steady amount as opposed to if you take too much. For some people, it can lower their blood sugar too much and make them you know lightheaded, Shaky. so they can be yeah. you know bad. So then they they spread it out. But I would look at the caffeine because. Um, one of the drinks we're working on, maybe it'll come out next year. It's called Skip It Ketone oh, Coffee. Oh, nice. And the idea is to skip breakfast, skip sugar, skip fats. People say, but fat's great. What's better than fat? No fat. Like not yeah. having the calories is actually yeah. better. Fat's better than fat. It just fat helps you, you know, not have carb. Taking something like uh, ketones in, instead of the caffeine, it's not a stimulant, but it will give you that same, you know, a similar pickup without that without that crash but yeah so the yeah this drink one day will help we're only going to sell it in decaf form so to help people get off of their caffeine addictions and yeah caffeine is a drug i know a lot of doctors say oh if you have one or two it's good or fine or there's some study that showed that caffeine the coffee drinkers live longer i actually read the study in the fine print it said there was no difference between those that drank decaf versus caffeinated mm, and i was like yeah well, are we talking about caffeine or are we talking about the, you know the coffee bean um, yeah. So I'm talking would, about the polyphenols, the antioxidant properties. I mean, those, yeah. those, so if I would suggest you try a 30, it might even be 45 days of cutting your caffeine completely to hundred percent. People are going to come at you with pitchforks now, Frank. I know, I know, but use, <laughs> use the ketones to help substitute, you yeah. know, and help with that withdrawal. So yeah. one lady said, Oh, the ketones didn't help for me at all. And I said, okay, let's walk through it. She normally drinks two cups of coffee. And I said, well, what happens when you normally don't drink two cups? Oh, I'm irritable. I've got brain fog. I've got a headache. All these, you know, uh, all these symptoms. I said, and what happened when you took ketonester instead of the caffeine? Oh, I, just, I felt nothing. I'm like, well, nothing is good. <laughs> you didn't feel all those withdrawals. You just felt normal. It just brought you back up. Um, but the caffeine, there's a great book. I think it's $2 on Kindle, like Quit Caffeine. And it talks about this misnomer that you think that it gives you energy, but it's more a withdrawal effect that ketones worked for me. Sorry, gluc- uh, 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 the caffeine worked for me five years ago when I first did the buttered coffee, bulletproof coffee. It worked great for two weeks, but then it stopped working. Well, what happened? I got overclocked, but then now it was just a withdrawal symptom. I was just going down to 80, 90% waking up groggy and then taking caffeine to kind of just bring me back up to baseline. If you break that habit and you actually don't have caffeine in your system at all, even that one or two cups, you'll find I actually have that energy naturally. 
So it's this misnomer. You think that you're getting a boost, but you're not. You're actually normally there. And initially, I I cut coffee completely, and I would just use it once every two weeks, selectively for you know a important business meeting. Uh, so I'd only take it once every two weeks, and so I'd be you know then I really feel it then. But then eventually, for some reason, you know, COVID, I didn't have any important meeting for two or three months, so I didn't realize it. And I was like, wow, I actually have the energy all day long. Like even if I had an important meeting right now, I would not want to overclock. I'm good. So so even removing that intermittent like once every two weeks thing and just going cold turkey over to decaf so you still have the ritual. Oh, I love my coffee. Great. Go have your coffee. But have decaf. Um and you might you might find a, a benefit. Yeah, oh, people wow. get so nervous because I they they number one they become dependent on it because their physiology has been changed because of the amount and most people just drink like it's most people especially in America like we're not just drinking like one cup of coffee it's like an entire freaking pot of coffee that people are drinking yeah. and they people don't realize just how inherently they are changing their physiology and they think that oh well like they think number one like I'm addicted to this well number one you are addicted to it number two they think that if I try to remove it, then it's just going to like ruin the rest of my day. I'm not going to be able to function. And that's probably, it probably is going to significantly impact you for the first few days that you come off of it because, well, what are you having? Well, you're detoxing, you're having withdrawals from it just because like you mentioned, it is a drug. And just like with any good drug, if that you're addicted to, you're going to have those withdrawal symptoms. But after you get over the hump, you're going to really, really experience that you don't need it. And I will give you kind of my prime example. When I was a resident, I was having some of these weird, like, like skipped ectopic beats of the heart. And it come to find out I was just way too caffeinated. And, uh, and, and, and I didn't, I didn't, it is not, uh-huh. it is not. And as a resident, you know, working in the hospital so many hours of the week, one of the things that I found is that like we all, every resident that I worked with, we relied on re- religiously on coffee all throughout the day. And it doesn't matter if we're there till you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, like we're sipping coffee all day long. And I was having like these skipped abnormal heartbeats. And then my, my, uh, physician just said like, dude, like you are number one, you're stressed out of the max to the max. You're not living kind of a great lifestyle as a resident. And then also too, like you are drinking way too much caffeine. So I really worked on my stress response alongside with, I completely cut caffeine out. And those first like two days were hard. Like they were but rough. The ketones will help with that. So the ketones yeah. can't. I wish I would have known that back then. That was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> but now if someone's trying to, there is a solution to help them with those, yep. with those withdrawals. Exactly. But one lady who was a, a one star review on Amazon and she's like, Oh, it didn't work for me. I felt nothing. Come to find out she was on a 10 cup of coffee a day. Oh, goodness. I'm like, uh, keto, it's going to be, uh, the ketone ester might not be able to over, it overcome <laughs> the withdrawals. She didn't have the withdrawals, but she didn't have the energy level that she had before. And I said, right. Hey, 10 cups, maybe you don't, I don't know, maybe you go, don't go cold Turkey. Maybe you slowly wean it, wean it down, but you know, the, the ketones won't be able to overcome that level. <laughs> yeah. That's just slightly excessive. 10 cups. Yeah. And it's probably like 10, like 10 ounce or eight ounce cups of coffee. Not like, you know, a six ounce. A thousand milligrams. She said it was a thousand <laughs> milligrams of caffeine a day. And I looked it up and, you know, average cup is a hundred. I was like, that's 10 cups. And, um, but even people that take it in the morning, I still think it affects your sleep. People might you know, say, Oh, I stopped taking it at 12 because after 12, it really wrecks my sleep. But even before, it can give you that 2 a.m. cortisol spike that wakes you up at 2 a.m. and you're just up for two hours and you can't get back to sleep. So, yeah, that, that'd be one of my biggest tips is finding a way to – I know it's – you know, and everyone's so pro-caffeine. Pro Somehow that drug, oh, it's natural. Well, so is cocaine. 
cocaine's natural and people aren't like, oh, use this, pick me up. You know, it's probably, I don't know if it's equally as addictive, but it, you know, it's very addictive. Not Yeah. Yeah. I don't, don't have a ton of uh, experience with cocaine. Actually, no experience. I should say that for all the investors of my company who's listening, no experience with cocaine. Uh, but I do know that the scientific literature is, it has indicated that the same reward centers in the brain that are responsible for you keeping coming back for more when it comes to cocaine. And when it comes to uh, caffeine, the same brain centers are lighting up and they're lighting up equally as effectively. So I think that, you know, we could make that comparison and not, you know, bastardize the science when we do that because it's it's true so yeah that's 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 really great information but you know i i tell people too like especially if they're like you know kind of like they give the whole idea of like, you know, I, I need to stop drinking caffeine after, you know, 12 o'clock or whatever it is for them that, that that's kind of like my go-to zone. I always tell them like, you know, you're always trading something. Um, so if you are, you know, willing to kind of, and I won't say willing, but if you're engaging in drinking and caffeine in the morning, like, yeah, that might be a pleasurable thing for you. You might like the energy boost. Like you might like kind of the, you know, the, whatever you experience you feel from a, a symptom presentation, you know, manifestation of your, your after cup, you know, experience like you might really enjoy that but you might pay for it you're likely going to pay for it like when you do go to sleep even if it is you know 12 15 hours from when you drank that cup of coffee the great thing is that if you take it out like anybody if anybody ha- reports to me that they're having sleep problems like caffeine is the first thing to go not like we d- we drink it you know only in the morning and we stop after 12 it's like it goes like it leaves you because when we're talking about messing with adenosine receptors in the brain like that is the main culprit and so i love your idea of saying like, well, we have a good replacement here that's going to help you kick that craving and we'll leave you kind of with, again, the ability to cognitively perform as if you were drinking caffeine, because I think that's what people think. Like, I'm not going to be able to like get up and cognitively perform and drive through the morning, drive through the rest of the day if I don't have my coffee in the morning or if I don't have my, you know, after lunch coffee or even like at dinner coffee, which people still do, which is mind blowing to me. Like mind blowing. My parents do it. Reverse effects. Some people caffeine puts them to sleep. So and calms them like my brother will drink coffee to calm himself down so it's amazing so that was what i was gonna yeah i was gonna transition to that because i know we probably don't have a ton of time so here's what we'll do is that i will kind of uh i'll I'll hint at what you and i frank were talking about kind of offline is that you guys have been really working on something uh in the background that you that that you wanted to share and then i think you mentioned this is the first place that it's going to be shared on is is the the hanu health podcast i'm I'm just discussing it and the, the first case of this new drink just came out so can I uh, tell us about it, man? Yeah, throw it, so, send it. So this is the the mock up of the label. I don't have a can around me. I wasn't really prepared <laughs> for this, but it's called R13. R13. What it is is the world's first ketogenic alcohol. I'm sold. Alcohol. Take my money. <laughs> but initially, when people hear that, they might see a Google search of you know alcohols that are fairly ketogenic or you know keto friendly. So let me explain. Ethanol is beer, vodka, wine, hard seltzer, those are all ethanol-based. Yeah. And they kick you out of ketosis. So people might try to find something that kicks them less out of ketosis, like you know a no-sugary drink added to it or uh, vodka and club soda. But this is a whole new molecule. It's no longer eth- – it's not ethanol. Hmm. So it's not ethanol. It's R13-butanediol. So oh. it's that half – it's that starting material that we use to make the ketone ester. So the ketone ester I said was D-beta-hydroxybutyrate, and you can either call it D or R-1,3-butendiol. It's a molecule that's combined together. And I asked Dr. Veach five years ago, well, 
if the R13-butane diol goes through the liver and makes ketones, makes beta-hydroxybutyrate at a rate of, I think it was 70-80%, as opposed to C8, only 15% of it converts to ketones. This is like 70-80%. Why wouldn't you just give R13? And his answer was, the mice were stumbling around. So it's an alcohol. Interesting. So drinking so it by itself. Mice were drunk off their socks. The, 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 yeah, the drink by itself wasn't an option in the science world five years ago because, you know, it's an alcohol. It gets you buzzed. And I was like, that sounds to me like an opportunity for certain people that, you know, want that. So it's an actual alcohol that you drink. It will raise your blood ketones one to two millimolars per can. So it's got 10 grams of R13-butane dial, and you get you know a little bit of a buzz. People have equated it to a hard seltzer. So if, if you don't feel one hard seltzer, you might not feel one of these. But if you have if you start feeling it at two hard seltzers, then you would feel it at two of these cans. And meanwhile, while raising your ketones, um, but it's so ethanol converts in the liver to acetaldehyde, a toxic substance. This alcohol converts to beta-hydroxybutyrate converts to ketones, like a health longevity molecule. And for some people, I think they might even find themselves skipping dinner. Everyone's talking about skipping breakfast and skipping lunch. Well, what if you had a drink after hours, you drink it, and then you're just not hungry. You're drinking it like at a bar, but then you're just not hungry for dinner, where ethanol makes you more hungry. They actually, servers are taught, you know, when, you're, when they're waitering to try to get people alcohol before their meal because they eat more. This very possibly could do the opposite, make them eat less. The waiters might not like this drink. Um, right. Or the restaurants in general. They're like, hey, nobody's buying the filet mignon and the uh, lobster yeah. tail. They're all just drinking. You know, They're coming in at 5 o'clock for their 7 o'clock dinner, and they're just drinking a bunch of these R13s. And next thing we know, they're like, nah, I don't need any food. I'm, I'm heading home. Or I'm, going to go, I'm, I'm hopping to the next club. Scratch that, or put it in a doggy bag, and and they and they head out. So exactly, so, yeah. So it's, is this Frank? Is this something like a person would only want to drink like one of them, and then follow it up with other drinks, or could they just like if they're looking like, hey, it's a club night, I want to like feel a little tipsy. Could they drink like three of these, or this would be like yeah, yeah four of these, or the ma- yeah. we, we put on there the maximum is, is three per day. Okay, got it. So yeah, you could you could take three of them, but it also tends to give people a satisfying feeling. So we're at ethanol-based alcoholics, they might drink one and they just feel compelled, this like addiction to drink more and more. This actually does the opposite. It actually makes you feel content. So you might drink one and just be like, I just don't have that craving for having another one. Or you might have two or three and just be able to stop. Whereas, you know, regular ethanol, some people just can't stop and they get more aggressive with regular ethanol. This is actually more anti-anxiety. We initially called the first design, um, of the can, we initially called it relax because people felt much more relaxed as opposed to the ethanol based, like steroid type uh, aggressiveness. Um, yeah, it, it, it's so interesting because as a, as a clinician, it makes me think. And again, I will go ahead and clarify this, and I think you would too, Frank, that we're not providing any type of advice of what you should be or shouldn't be utilizing for addiction when I mention this. But I'm almost thinking too, if there's a potential to kind of like utilize this and study this in the future of how people who are battling with, let's say, alcohol addiction, like if they were to replace an alcoholic drink with this, like if they were going to have something, like does it have an effect in helping to reduce the amount that they're drinking or even help? 
help with like titrating them off. It would be really interesting as kind of more of a broad scale study. And we're not telling anybody to kind of like utilize this as their strategy, um, or at least I'm not because I can't do that. Uh, but what I would think is that this could be like, there's a lot of different avenues for this. For me, I'm just interested in it because like I'm someone who like, I love just like, you know, Friday afternoon, long week of work. Like I love a really good, like just cocktail to kind of like ease it out, like just kind of fly into the weekend feeling good. And this one's got me excited because yeah, I'm like, oh man, I can kind of have my yeah. cake and eat it too. So that's, that's pretty cool. And even some athletes, uh, they could, some people will have a beer after their five hour cycling event. Well, why not have, you know, one of these drinks that actually raises your ketones and actually will help your recovery as well because of the, you know, the ketones will be in your system and then you're, you're, you're kicking back. So I can, there's a lot of potential for this and what you're talking about for the addiction. I hope that one day there will be clinical trials that, you know, would show whether this would, would help those people. We did have a couple people that drank it at a, at a conference and they didn't realize fully what it was. And then halfway through finishing it, he, he hears that it's an alcohol. He's like, wait a second, I've been sober for 10 years. And he's like, uh-oh. But he said he didn't, he didn't have this visceral feeling that he would normally have to have another. He yeah, just that's good. Oh, man, that's so tricky. But that's good. Day, he woke up and he said, normally, if I would wake up in the morning after having a drink the night before, the first thing I think about in the morning is alcohol. And he's like, I, I didn't. I had a great night's sleep. And, and that was that. So there's a lot. I think this could, when people fully grasp what this is, <laughs> It, it could give ethanol a run for this money. So hard ketone, hard, hard seltzers kind of, t- you know, took off. And <laughs> this has being the white so claw big. revolution. We created a new company called hard ketones yeah. and it's a separate company, separate entity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it could give ethanol a run for its money. Cause why would you want to drink something that's toxic, makes you eat more and makes you aggressive and, and hangry, right? right? You're getting aggressive yeah. and hungry. Yeah. Um, Exactly. That's similar. It's similar, but different buzz effect. And I've, you know, people try to compare ketone ester with caffeine. And when they first take ketone ester, they expect caffeine energy. They expect the jitters. Mm -hmm. They expect this like overclocking over sensation, but they then say it's it's just a different sensation. It's more of like a calm ninja. A ninja has energy ready to go to pounce like in the flow state, but it's, it's not that caffeine state. So it's kind of like that that it's a different type of buzz where you're actually a little bit sharper. Um, we do say do not drive while intoxicated, but it does go to your brain. And you know some people might feel a little bit sharper while having a little bit of a, uh, a buzz. You know, what, you know what's kind of interesting about it is that like I was thinking, and again, this is me thinking aloud, is that like, you know, a huge thing, you know, kind of like in the in the business industry is like business meetings over meals. And a lot of times, you know, cocktails are shared. And then people just sometimes if they're drinking too much, they just get a little bit goofy and they're not sharp and you don't you're not able to stay productive. So I'm almost thinking it's like, why can we add something like this as like a business cocktail business drink where we're yeah, we're feeling nice and loose and relaxed, but we're also really sharp and we can get work done because I just yeah. find that business dinners, like they're really great to socialize, but getting work done or getting anything like accomplished just doesn't happen that often. So this is kind of like, again, killing two birds with one stone. We'll socialize, have a great time, but also I'm going to be cognitively sharp while being relaxed. Yeah. I, I think the done. giddy part, you listed those attributes, the giddy part, I think would still be there, but not the other yeah. ones. So I love giddy, it. I love it. But yeah. I'm yeah. sold. So wait, I don't know if you're able to say because this is obviously the first podcast that's coming out. Like, do you know when this is going to be uh, hitting yeah, the shelves we, or be on sale at your website? Yeah, we launched it um, on uh, approximately mid October as a pre-order, 
and the goal was to get it to people before Thanksgiving. So not sure when this is gonna this podcast is gonna come out, but probably right around Thanksgiving time. Maybe a little bit after. We'll have to see. We're on track to to deliver by Thanksgiving, and people can order it um, hardketones.com, and also follow us on Instagram. We're gonna start building that up, uh, you know, at at hardketones. And yeah, the idea is to allow people to have Thanksgiving. Now, maybe they won't eat turkey for dinner. Maybe they'll just (laughs) right. But you know, having something like this instead of their typical ethanol, um, and and even for people, it's also designed for some biohackers that don't drink alcohol. And I say, why do you not drink alcohol? And they say, oh, I just feel dumber the next day, or you know, they list some things. I say, well, this doesn't do that. So for some people, it's also for those that you know don't drink alcohol because they see it as lowering their performance overall so if they can still be you know in a good state and get a little bit of a buzz they're like you know sign me up yeah no that's super interesting i'm i i, I need to get my hands on this because i'm like so like this is something that like i didn't know i wanted or needed until now and i'm like oh yeah this like makes total sense for me because over the last like few years like I, it's funny because you mentioned like um vodka and club soda that i would say that's like my, my go-to that's like my yep. go-to cocktail because it's you know it's pretty clean burning alcohol um you know it's it's one that's uh, obviously not high in you know in sugar and and then like here recently i would say in the last maybe like six months to a year like i've toyed around like here and there with like some of the uh some of the seltzers that you mentioned um just because i kind of prefer those but like when you mentioned kind of the idea of like getting a little bit like buzz relaxation effect also with like kind of like the more cognitively stimulating ability to focus and not have like all the nasty side effects and then also too the nasty things that occur in physiology that are quite deleterious to the body and brain like for me that's like yeah it's a no-brainer like sign me up so i i didn't even realize you guys were doing this until now um and so now i'm gonna like again we'll plug this on the show notes so hard you said hardketones.com is that what you said yeah yeah seltzer it's gonna be like the hard seltzer 12 ounce drink sparkling uh raspberry lime and actually as far as taste you don't taste it like just maybe a hint of an aftertaste a little bit and that's you know that's the best we could do without loading a whole bunch of more junk into it but it's it's actually fairly pleasant you'll find yourself you know wanting to grab another one not take it like a shot but just you know enjoy it over a 20 minute period yeah at, at the next uh hanu health offsite for the executives that we run yeah. i think i'm bringing these so that's awesome man that's so cool we'll get you a, well, we'll get you a case the, the I case, love it. First case just came off the line i got a photo of it 10 minutes before saying hey here's our first you know 48 pack so i'm really excited to see how people take to it we're actually almost sold out our first batch before even delivering it so once people actually get their hands on it then it hopefully it might be a little bit of a problem keeping up with you know demand dude that's always the best business problem to have though like it's a little bit like nerve-wracking because you're like oh like i don't want to piss people off but then you're also like dude that means that there's demand and that's a good thing i experienced that with the ketone ester for a few years we had production problems because we had to always scale up buy new equipment we'd be out of stock and i'd have some customers that ordered a huge amount in california be like hey I'll pay you an extra hundred dollars of ketones. I feel like that the hamburger guy uh, on Popeyes say, "I'll pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today." Oh, yeah, yeah. Seen that? Uh, and I I buy back ketones and have them mail it to another customer that needed it for some emergency. And like having customers help each other wow. out. They're, That's awesome. It's a good community, stock. man. It's a great yeah. community yeah. that you well, built. So. We have a Facebook group with a couple thousand people, and sometimes we have you know, an Olympic athlete that needed stuff in Chicago within 12 hours. I'm like, you know, we're not retail yet. 
Yeah. Went out to the Facebook group, found someone within a 20-minute drive. Within 45 minutes, there was a photo of them at the doorstep of another customer you know, that gave them a bottle for their performance the next day. We've done that yeah. like five times. Oh, man. Um, that's, for, that's so cool. Helped, kicked I love in. it. Someone, yeah. All these, all these, uh, you know, keto, ketone burning, uh, you know, fat fueled individuals just helping each other out. Part of the, part of the grand community. I love it, man. Well, cool, man. Well, I know we have, we have gone, we've gone long now. Uh, we could probably spend, you know, I, I had like a ton of other topics that, that we could cover. So that just means we'll have you on again. I'm glad we got to talk about the alcohol, to be honest with you, though. And so, and again, I should clarify too, I'm not advocating that everybody go out there and just drink alcohol. I'm advocating for those who um, have uh, looked inside and said, this is something that I can drink. Uh, th- it's available for you. I just wanted to clarify that just in case people are like, dude, this guy's seriously like excited about some alcohol. It's because I am like, I'm not going to lie. Like it's freaking awesome. Everything, yeah. yeah, like you said, I'm not alone. A lot of people are pretty damn excited. So it's awesome. So cool. Well, Frank, dude, it's been so great having you on. Let's go ahead and plug, um, you know, all the all all the ways that people can find you. So obviously, ketonaid.com, hardketones.com. You guys are on Instagram. We'll load everything else into the show notes. Anywhere else we want we want to plug? Well, on our web on the ketonaid website is the community link that goes to the 2,000 people talking about different protocols, how they used it for. You know, some people trying to lose it for weight loss, use it for weight loss, and then we kind of explain to them and people using it for 24-hour races, so that community. And, you know, not so much on Twitter, but, uh, you know, we're on there as well. But I don't for think most anybody part, uses Twitter anymore. It's, it's, it's for the most part uh, Instagram. But, yeah, and then you can, on the website, ketonade.com, you can see the three products, KE4, KE1. And we didn't even get around to talking about, you know, snake water. But Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, n- next podcast. We'll cover it next, next one. Podcast. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, cool. Thank Dude, you. yeah, no, I'm so glad you came on. You've been a wealth of knowledge. It's just been really fun to learn about this stuff. I hope people like really took home, you know, some just practical, usable knowledge. So thanks, man, for coming on. Really appreciate your time. All right. Drink ketones instead of having lunch right now. And no, it, it is. Well, oh, actually, yeah. what's so funny, I don't have time to eat lunch. Like I've got like a, like three other things. So, hey, ketones it is. I've got it in the fridge right now because I like to keep my esters really nice and cold. Put it, Take a shot of it. Down some Topo Chico that I got in there. Ice cold as well. It's going to be a great afternoon, man. Perfect. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right, man. All right, everybody. Thanks so much again. Visit us, hanuhealth.com slash podcast. You'll hear all about Frank and Ketone Aid. And then also, too, reach out to us on Instagram. Let us know if you have any questions. And if you're watching this on YouTube, thanks so much for chiming in. Make sure that you subscribe and hit that like button. We'll see you next Friday. Thanks for listening to the Hanu Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast would not happen without listeners and supporters like you. And the best way to support us and the show is to head on over to iTunes and provide us with a five-star review. This helps us reach others and spread the good word of breathing and stress resiliency. If we read your five-star review on air, please reach out to podcast at hanuhealth.com with your name and mailing address, and we will send you some sweet Hanu gear. Until next time, breathe better and stress less.